1: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, creeps and peepers. And hello, Roberts and Annabelles as well. I'm Dan.
2: Hi, I'm COVID Lindsay.
1: That's, yeah, her COVID voice. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a little foggy today. Had a little bit of a relapse. So so uh you know b- bear with us. Uh, hope you had a good Halloween. Sorry we didn't say Halloween on last week's show, but the last several weeks have just been like a fever dream.
2: It's it's, it's been weird. All it's been so weird. so weird.
1: Also recorded this in advance. Yes. Uh, when this comes out, so we have no idea who won the presidential election in the states. So if you we just want to say that because it's like I'm guessing it's going to be on everybody's mind.
2: Right. Everyone's thinking about it. We're not going to talk about it, but there you have it. We don't know. Hey, hey, Dan, you know what I want to tell you about? Yeah. I want to tell you about this other podcast that I super-duper love. Mm -hmm. Do you know our friends at Astonishing Legends? I do
1: know them. You know them? I knew them before you knew them.
2: Uh, This is awkward. Well, I recently met Scott and Forrest Mm -hmm. via the interwebs. Um, We were just talking about... You know, you think about, like, other shows you love, yeah. and when people ask for additional content, it's like, oh, where could I send you? Like, what's something I feel really good about promoting? Yep. And so uh, Forrest and I were emailing back and forth and realized that our audiences could be really quite interested in the same things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there could be some, like, crossover there. So um this is me telling you to go check out Astonishing Legends if you enjoy what we're doing here, mm-hmm. which, why would you be here if you don't? Exactly. Uh, Scott and Forrest do a lot of, like, the same topics, but in a way deeper way. Yeah, yeah,
1: much more investigative, but very fun and very spooky.
2: Very, very investigative. I mean, if you want, like, three episodes on Wothman, like, Mm -hmm. fully dedicated or two on Skinwalker Ranch, like, that is... That's where you go,
1: and th- they're actually where I first learned long before we started this show about Black Eyed Children. No way! Mm-hmm. It's from an uh, from Astonishing Legends from their podcast. Funny. And, and I first noticed them. This is so random, but I'm a huge, you know, like my graphic tea obsession. Their logo is so awesome. It's
2: so good. And, and, and
1: actually, they just rebranded, and it looks uh, even better. I, I thought their old logo yeah. was literally one of the best logos, if if not the best logo in all of podcasting. And then their new one is even better. So yeah, yeah they're just they're good guys. They take it very seriously. Yeah. And, and it's it's great.
2: It's a great show. And, you know, you can get it all the places that you get podcasts and uh, subscribe and check it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Yeah, give them some love.
1: And speaking of cool uh, things to love and cool designs, uh, we have Volume 1, the first collection of the Scared to Death fan stories. I'll give it to you, Lindsay, for the YouTubers watching. Uh, The book is in the mail. All your autographed pre-orders should have arrived already. Uh, So proud of how this book turned out. It's beautiful. Logan and Kate Keith did an amazing job putting it together. For those of you who didn't get the pre-order, want a non-autographed copy, we have a limited amount they're going to be uh, on sale starting November 4th at badmagicmerch.com. And then once those are gone, it'll take a long time to get restocked. Because, again, with COVID and shipping delays, it, it takes a long time to get these books in.
2: Yeah, and this this, this baby, just so you it's guys beautiful. know, is like 350 mm-hmm. pages worth of stories. Yeah, It's every story from year one
1: and I know we usually zip through announcements today just bear with us we're just a lot of stuff is happening a lot of things we're excited about it won't normally be like this
2: yeah and we're just honestly like we forgot to do some things last week so it's just a little uh, bit of a catch-up yeah so sorry
1: uh, we also have a scared to dearth, uh, scared to dearth, scared to dearth, I, a scared to death uh, Christmas tree skirt. I was combining skirt and death in I my brain. It. I love it. I uh, In the store, I know it's weird. It's so fun. Uh, it's There, with plenty of time to put it on your Christmas tree. Kind of a Halloween Christmas mashup vibe.
2: Yeah, it sort of has that like nightmare before Christmas yeah, feeling. Yeah, it
1: yeah, it does. It's very kind of like Tim Burton.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then we have a very cool coffee collaboration oh. in the store now. The fine people at Brandywine Coffee Roasters, out of Wilmington, Delaware, made a scared to death coffee blend. We want to sell it. It's such a cool um, design. Yeah, the bag will actually be black when they sell them in the store.
2: Yeah, the design is black and gold.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, The design. And then they're good. They're good people. Per their website, all of their hand printed packages are filled with coffee intentionally, kindly, and responsibly sourced. Roasted by our wonderful team of coffee mystics. Each hand-printed bag features a custom illustration from the weirdly wonderful mind and hand of local Delaware artist Todd Purse, at Todd85. This helps emphasize that each coffee we release is in itself a work of art, living within another work of art, coffee art inside of coffee art, meta-coffee art. I love it. Please go forth to drink coffee, create, and be kind. And and, and check out, even if you don't like coffee, i know. check out brandywinecoffeeroasters.com. The art alone is fantastic.
2: Right, look at the back of my shirt. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's it's awesome. I love it.
2: It's very cool and you can drink it out of your scared to death coffee mug.
1: Sweet. And then the last little quick uh announcement we have to make and again apologize for so many, but this is timely sad news before we get to fun stories. Uh we have to cancel our live scared to death. Here's why. There's a rapid rise in COVID cases here in Coeur d'Alene. Like, it's made national news. This is one of the hottest spots in all of the country right now. Correct. And uh, new social distancing mandates have reduced the capacity of venues significantly. And rather than forcing us to pick who we have to kick out...
2: Right. It would be just, which, like, a weird thing where it was, like... Yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it was already, like, just because I've been really, like working on this. Yeah. We already were not at full capacity there. Right? Like we were doing like a minimal amount of people, anyways. Yeah. We were trying to do it as smart as possible. And we know, like, we want to go and do things, too. We know that the the need for socialization is so real oh, right yeah. now. We know how it affects everyone's mental health. So we were seeing this as more than just doing a live show, Um, to be really frank. Like, we weren't even going to make any money. We were just happy to, like, mm-hmm. go out and do this cool thing. I had ordered special cookies for everyone. <laughs> but it just, then when they reduced it, it's like, what are we going to do? Oh, so, like, you people don't get to come and now you. You don't, to get, to you don't you?
1: get to go. You don't get to go. Or yeah. we
2: refund all the tickets and do some weird, like, okay, on your marks, get set, go first you <laughs> We could yeah. only get fifty people in there now. And it might
1: be worse going forward. I mean It's I, just
2: not worth the risk. Even though we've yeah. had it and we mm-hmm. feel like I mean we don't feel invincible now, but we just yeah. feel like we know how horrible it's been and we just don't want to risk anybody getting and, it. And
1: honestly, on my I'm just burnt out on trying to set up live shows and I constantly know. having it backfire. I've had a stand up tour, I have pushed and pushed like six times. I know. I made money as a live performer, paid the bills for like two decades, and it's just fucked right now. I know. Like it's just and there's and there's no way to anticipate when when long will change or anything so for the time yeah. being we're just not gonna be doing any live shows until further notice.
2: yeah and if you're in a place we where, tried yeah and if you are in a place where you feel comfortable going out and you can go out and support like your local community and all of those people that mm-hmm. work you know as bartenders yeah, and please service, do please do because i mean yeah. that's like honestly that's my biggest regret about all of it is that the yeah. people who that is their livelihood because mm-hmm. i have been there i've worked as a server for many many years um you know, I, I fucking feel for you guys.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, so now, it? now we are through. We are through, and we'll go back next week to just a normal, normal amount of announcements, which can is I, almost none.
2: Can I take a nap now?
1: You can. Uh, more you. announcements than normal again. Uh, but uh, now, it's story time. Lindsay, what do you have for us, two today? Two fan stories? I have
2: two fan stories today that I uh, wrote up about four weeks ago, so I do not remember them at all.
1: Fun. (laughs) So you'll be kind of hearing them for the first time, too, in a way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have two stories, of course. I have a longer tale of two young women doing some ghost hunting in an old abandoned cold compound outside of Portland, Oregon. Okay. I love Portland. In Wilsonville, and getting more than they'd hoped to find. Mm. Then I have a shorter story that I don't want to give too many details about, uh, other than it involves the woods and a possible cryptid encounter. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then I think, I think I'm just ready to dive in. You got your socks? You ready to go? Yeah. I
2: don't even know where these ones came from anymore.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, Lindsay settles in. Sure. Uh, we get a little bit of setup here. So you get time to get cozy. Uh, I'll get going. Wilsonville, Oregon lies about 15 minutes South of Portland or an hour. If there's rush hour traffic. When I think of Wilsonville, I think of a variety of company headquarters clustered around I-5. The Portland suburb has more jobs than actual residents, and it feels like that when you drive through it. When Shayna Kadich thinks of Wilsonville, she thinks of ghosts. When Shana was growing up in Portland back when she was in sixth, maybe seventh grade, back in the late 80s, she remembers a friend telling her about the Damish State Hospital in Wilsonville. The friend didn't call it that in a much less PC time, than now he called it the Nuthouse. Shayna later <laughs> learned the real name. Damish was a mental asylum that opened in 1961 and permanently closed in 1995. Wow. Okay. And one morning over breakfast, not long after she first heard of it, when Shana's friend's dad was reading the morning paper, when she was still staying at their house after a sleepover, Shana heard him talking about an incident that happened at the hospital. Apparently a patient, a dangerous patient, had escaped from his secure room and was running loose around the facility. Ugh. Years later, Shana couldn't remember if he'd been initially locked up for murder or for rape or maybe both. Security scrambled to catch him, return him to his room. He ran down the stairs of the hospital all the way into the basement where the boiler room and the morgue were. And down under the big building, he made it to a maintenance tunnel that had once been built to be part of a fallout shelter in case of a major disaster. There were actually several tunnels under damage, and the longest tunnel was three quarters of a mile long. It resurfaced at a worker rehabilitation center known uh, after it was a worker rehabilitation center as the Living Enrichment Center, or the LEC, to locals. Okay. And authorities who didn't find this man, well, they may have found him eventually. Shana didn't exactly diligently track a lot of news stories back when she was 12. Uh, They thought this patient likely made it to the LEC, where he may have resurfaced from the tunnel and then escaped out into the woods. Okay. And the thought of this violent and unstable man roaming through the woods only 15 minutes from where Shana lived, from you know uh, where she played with her friends, this terrified her. She sometimes played in a little patch of woods with some other kids from her neighborhood. She loved being outside. But after hearing that story, spending time in the woods was no longer relaxing and fun. It was scary. In her young, anxious mind, the escaped patient was suddenly everywhere, waiting for her. He was behind every tree, hiding just past each hill, waiting to treat her like one of the teen girls she'd seen in a slasher flick, the one her mom had gotten mad at her for watching at the same sleepover. The combination of the movie and the patient's escape left Shayna with recurring nightmares for months. And for the rest of her childhood, her mind sometimes flashed on that story whenever she was in or heading through Wilsonville. She thought of the man and had a few more nightmares years later in 2004 when Wilsonville was back in the news again. This time it was for the LEC, the Life Enrichment Center, that asylum uh, patient had supposedly snuck into and then out of, which closed due to a $10 million financial scandal. The LEC's history and the scandal, worth briefly mentioning here. The LEC compound was immense. The organization bought and moved into the Callahan Center, a state of Oregon worker rehabilitation center for injured state workers, in 1976. Or that was when it was built in 1976. Uh, The LEC acquired it in 1992. They acquired a no-longer-in-use 94,000-square-foot facility and a variety of other smaller buildings on the 93-acre lot that surrounded it. The compound, purchased and led by spiritual con artists Ed and Mary Morrissey, was designed chiefly as a place of healing for troubled people, in theory. It was a church of sorts but not built around any specific organized religion. It was a, quote, spiritualist center, centered loosely around Buddhism and other Eastern religions— Mostly, it seems to have been based in Mary Morrissey's self-help, nonsensical garbage. She's now a life coach who trains other life coaches, and no part of me trusts any of her teachings. To many, the LEC was definitely a cult. That's how I would describe it as well. The compound had its own school, bookstore, cafeteria, daycare, 20 or so small cabins that could be used for retreats or for living accommodations. The OEC was always filled with people, several hundred at any given time. They put on plays for the community, hosted weekly motivational speakers in the auditorium. They provided community swimming lessons, yoga classes. They threw parties, hosted weekend retreats. And then Ed and Mary Morrissey, the benevolent, empowering, preaching leaders of the LEC stole millions directly from their followers in the form of loans they never paid back or intended to pay back. Embezzlement, other related charges followed. The fake church gig was up. Their leaders were punished but never served any real jail time. But they did lose the big compound. The giant LEC headquarters still connected via that underground tunnel to the old abandoned damaged state hospital was now also abandoned. So now you have two giant vacant buildings, two buildings with interesting and at least somewhat nefarious pasts, connected by an underground tunnel nearly a mile long. A horror lover's dream. It sounds like so much fun. The damaged state hospital was demolished in either 2005 or 2006. It's now a housing development. Uh The LEC's main buildings were demolished in 2013. I believe the land it once sat on is still waiting to be redeveloped. Before these buildings were demolished, they, along with the tunnel that connected them, gained quite the reputation amongst paranormal enthusiasts in the Pacific Northwest and numerous regional ghost hunters who claimed the area was a hotbed for all kinds of spectral activity. And when Shana was in her mid-twenties, her friend Alex, who was a huge fan of everything supposedly haunted, invited her to come along for a little trespassing adventure. Shana was intrigued. She wondered if the tunnels, there were supposedly actually multiple tunnels, were still open, and she decided to join Alex for an adventurous night. Time now for the tale of the Nightmare Man. Alex and Shayna showed up at the old, locked up front gate to the abandoned LEC compound with flashlights and a digital camera. It didn't feel like a good idea to try and cut open the gate lock, and they didn't bring along bolt cutters anyway, so they drove around the grounds and parked about a half mile from the main entrance. The whole property was surrounded with a chain-link fence, and they had to walk for quite some time uh, from where they parked before they located a hole someone else had cut into the fence. They climbed through, ignoring the no trespassing signs, and entered the property a few hours after sunset. They hiked through the forest surrounding the compound, emerging after several minutes into a clearing a couple hundred yards from the hulking mass of the former LEC gigantic headquarters, now covered with ivy and thorny bushes. They walked past a cluster of dilapidated cabins that stretched for a quarter mile or more, buildings that now had collapsed roofs and doors that had long since been kicked in. They quickly made it to the old main entrance of the LEC. That was when Shayna first started to truly get spooked. Up until this point, fear of being caught and charged with trespassing had kept her distracted from the real purpose of their visit, to make contact with something from the other side. Now that thought made her shiver. Did she really want to encounter something? No. Had she not been with Alex, she would have recommended they turn around and head home. But Alex was so excited. She loved how spooky it all felt, and Shana didn't want to disappoint her. The old compound truly did look terrifying. Gave off some real bad energy. Shana and Alex entered the main building through a shattered glass double doorway. The entire place inside was in shambles. Most of the windows had been broken. The walls were tagged with graffiti. Numerous interior doors had been ripped from their hinges. The carpeted floor crunched beneath their footsteps with broken glass. Empty beer cans and cigarette butts were laying all over the place. Shayna and Alex were clearly far from the first people to illegally invade the old compound grounds. There were weird stains all over the carpet. Shayna was pretty sure some of them were blood. There were piles of garbage in some areas, clearly left by squatters. So far, all of the garbage, thank God, didn't look at all recent, and neither Shayna nor Alex worried that they were intruding on someone else's territory. Two women walked past some old folding chairs that had been left behind and crushed and twisted into a strange mass of metal and other odd and mangled remnants of another time. Soon, having no idea where their entrances might be, they began to search for the tunnels. With their flashlights bouncing around as they explored, they quietly walked into one room after another old classrooms, the old bookstore, the cafeteria, janitor's closets, hallways that led to more hallways. The place was enormous. They walked through an area that looked like it had once been used for some sort of commons. There were a few tables here and there, and a long wheelchair ramp as well, as stairs that led up to another building entrance a floor above. They looked around for a maintenance door, uh, uh, or stairs leading down, a door that would hopefully lead to one of the tunnels. Ideally, a door that would lead to the tunnel, the one that led to the damaged state hospital. Then adding to what had previously only been the sounds of their own movements, Shayna and Alex suddenly heard a loud crash on the floor above them. The whole room was open with high ceilings, and the sound echoed and bounced around the big room and down the connected hallways. It sounded to Shayna like a large person had just dropped from the ceiling and landed with a thump on the floor. It was a sound she really didn't care for. Shayna and Alex froze and listened for footsteps. Luckily, those didn't follow the thump, after exchanging concerned glances, Alex now started to head towards the stairs that led, she assumed, to the source of the noise. Come on, she whispered. This is what we're here for. And that was when Shayna suddenly flashed on the man who'd escaped from damage. The man she didn't know if they'd ever found. The murderer. The rapist, whatever he was. The man she worried about in the woods. The man from her nightmares. What if he'd never made it to the woods? Oh. What if he'd hid in this giant building? What if all these years later he was still here? Or if he'd ran off but came back once the old compound had been abandoned. What if that crashing sound was him? She knew these were crazy thoughts, but they popped up nonetheless and they refused to leave her head as she now followed Alex up the stairs. When they reached the next level, neither woman saw anything. After swinging their flashlights everywhere they could think of and discussing it for a while, they both decided that since the place was clearly falling apart, it must have just been a piece of of the ceiling or something that had fallen to the floor. They couldn't see any actual ceiling debris anywhere, no settling cloud of dust. It was just the best option they could come up with that didn't involve anything too terrifying. They headed back downstairs, took a turn into an unexplored hallway, and at the end of it, in one of the many rooms they'd entered, Alex spotted a hatch in a dark corner of the building. As they approached the hatch, Shana felt a little chill crawling up her spine. The little metal trap door was slightly ajar. When was the last time someone used it? Weeks ago? Months ago? Minutes ago? The room they found it in was filled with bulky metal machines, the boiler room perhaps, maybe a furnace. Alex shined her flashlight down into the hatch and could see it definitely led to a tunnel. Oh my god, she yelled, Shayna, this is it! This is what we came here for! She was excited. Someone had left an old wooden ladder in the opening for people to climb down. Again, Shayna's mind was flooded with questions. Was the ladder left over from when the compound was still open? Or had someone brought the ladder after the building had been abandoned and then condemned? Could someone be there right now? Alex volunteered to descend down into the tunnel first. Shayna pointed her flashlight to the tunnel floor while Alex began to climb down. Oh my god! Shayna screamed out when she saw a shadow race across the area, illuminated by her flashlight. Something had just shot past the bottom of the ladder right underneath her friend. What the fuck? Yelled Alex. Oh my god, Shane! I almost fell. What is it? What did you see? She asked these questions as she quickly climbed back up and out of the tunnel. I, 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 I don't know, stammered Shayna. Something just erased past. It was, I, I don't know what it was. The face of the man from her childhood nightmares flashed again in her thoughts, more intensely than before. It was like he was there with her somehow. He was grinning. He was laughing. He made her skin crawl. Alex spoke now with forced bravado. It was probably, it was probably just a raccoon or a cat or something. Let's go back," said Shayna. I-, "I don't like it here, Alex. Let's just say that that whatever that was, that was our ghost for the night. Let's just go home." "I didn't see it," protested Alex. "And I didn't come all this way to find the tunnel and then not explore it a little bit. I'm not turning back because you saw a raccoon. Oh if you're too scared to go further, that's fine. Just wait here. I'll be back in less than 30 minutes tops, I promise." "Half an hour?" exclaimed Shayna. "Are you insane?" I'm not waiting here in the dark by myself for half an hour. Fucking correct. We have no idea who else could be here. This is so stupid. That's exactly when people in horror movies die, when they split up. I'll come with you, but can we please leave once you've checked out this tunnel a bit? Alex agreed, and back down she went. Shayna would soon follow. Shayna first held the light again, literally closed her eyes for a few moments while Alex reached the bottom. And then Alex held the light for her as she lowered herself down, focusing all her energy on blocking the Nightmare Man from her mind's eye. It worked for a moment, and she reached the tunnel floor. She turned around, pointing her flashlight in the only direction available. The tunnel was narrow, cold, and made of concrete. Long pipes stretched as far as they could see ahead of them. They walked to the end and surfaced underneath a swimming pool. Damn it. It was creepy, and it was a tunnel, but it wasn't the tunnel. It obviously didn't lead to the old mental hospital. Alex talked Shana into looking for just one more tunnel, no more than another hour. If they couldn't find it, they'd head home. But if they did find it, they'd follow it all the way to its end, or if it reached Damish, they'd explore the old asylum a bit. Get the fuck out. They climbed out, searched for another half hour or so, and then came across a dirty room filled with maintenance equipment. There was a pile of broken tools and a wheelbarrow that had rusted clean through. There was water dripping all over the place and puddles on the ground. The air smelled of something rotten. Then they saw a half-open door, and behind it, a metal staircase leading down underground. Jackpot. They walked over, opened the door fully, climbed down the steps, and looked around with their flashlights. Alex spotted a small, narrow passageway underneath the stairs. Shana could feel a slight, chill breeze coming out of that entrance. And that's when the Nightmare Man again flashed in her mind. The air around her suddenly felt cold and electric. She felt a presence behind her. And she slowly began to turn around. Out of her peripheral vision, she saw a man's head and shoulders where Alex should be. She turned further and screamed, NO! Hands grabbed her shoulders in the face of a psychopath with a murderous grin, pulled her in close. I've been waiting for you, little girl. I've been waiting since I watched you in the woods. Then after laughing a soulless laugh, he slapped her across her face. Shayna, stop it! He yelled. No, what? No, he didn't yell that. Alex yelled that. What was happening? Oh my god, it was Alex. Alex was holding her by the shoulders and shaking her. Stop, Shayna, you're scaring me! Her friend was yelling. Wild-eyed, Shayna broke free from Alex's grip and spun around in a circle, frantically shining her light all over the place around them. He was here! He, he was here! She mumbled more to herself than Alex. He was here! No one was here but me, Shayna! Alex yelled. Shayna looked at her friend and saw genuine concern and fear in her face. Sorry, that was, that was so crazy, she said. This guy I used to have nightmares about, he was... He was all I could see. He spoke to me. You disappeared. She was rambling, almost incoherent. You were not you. You were him. He was talking to me. You were gone. You were... She just... She trailed off. Forget all of this, said Alex. You're about to lose your mind, Shayna. We should have left earlier. I'm sorry. I know know where this tunnel is. I can come back with Dave or Shelley or someone later. Let's just get you home. She gently spun Shayna back around to face the staircase. Come on. Up you go. Let's get out of here. Bam! Oh, my God! It was the door at the top of the stairway, slamming shut.
2: Oh, shit. Alex
1: moved past, bounding up the steps. She pushed against it. It wouldn't budge. They were trapped. Oh, my God. Alex was scared now, too. They both, after a brief conversation, realized that no one knew where they fucking were. And their cell phones didn't get any coverage.
2: Of course not.
1: It was hard not to panic. They parked half a mile from the front gate off a small service road... When would someone find their car? How many times would they have to see it before they reported it as being abandoned? How long before some security guards patrol took them near the door leading to this tunnel? Did anyone actually thoroughly check the old LEC compound? Judging by all the garbage and graffiti they'd walked past, based on the fact that they'd neither seen nor heard any security guards, they didn't feel like anyone walking over and finding them soon was at all likely. Their best bet was to walk down the tunnel. It was their only choice. They hoped that the breeze they felt meant that there was a way out.
2: My God.
1: Let's go, said Alex, as she wound back down the staircase and grabbed Shayna's hand. Let's make this quick and just go. The two women entered the small opening behind the staircase, where once inside, they began to move forward in a single file formation. They quickly realized the tunnel was definitely longer than the one they'd found earlier, and also much narrower. At first, Shayna was happy that Alex had gone first, but then after a few minutes, she wished she was in the lead. The further they walked, the more darkness Shayna had behind her. Soon she turned and shined her flashlight back and it didn't reach the tunnel's opening. The light just faded into nothingness. Then she heard something. Oh, God. She froze and squeezed Alex's hand said, Alex, stop, listen. They both heard what sounded like the metal door above the stairs grind back open. Uh. Then they heard what sounded like footsteps slowly moving down the staircase. Hello? Alex yelled. Is someone there? The footsteps froze, but there was no response. Who's there? Alex yelled. Still no response. But then the sound of footsteps hustling down the stairs was followed by the terrifying sounds of someone entering the tunnel. Then they could hear the echo of footsteps heading towards them. Oh, fuck. How long had they been walking in this tunnel? Two minutes? Three tops? How long would it take someone to catch them? They were fast. Seven, eight minutes? And what if they ran into a dead end? What then? The Nightmare Man's face flashed yet again in Shayna's mind, that horrible soulless grin. It felt once more like he was near, like he was real. Then they heard the footsteps quicken into a jog, Mm. and then faster still, Run! Alex screamed and pulled Shayna's hand, and they hurried down the tunnel. Alex watched her bobbing flashlight light the way ahead, terrified that at any moment some cave-in or random blockage would prevent them from going any further, and they would just have to wait for whatever was behind them to reach them. Meanwhile, Shana couldn't see anything. She ran behind Alex, the tunnel too narrow to see past her. She was too scared to turn around. What would her flashlight find in the darkness? They just kept running. They continued to hear the sounds of footsteps behind them, getting louder, gaining on them. Their only source of hope was the soft breeze constantly flowing through the opposite end, the cool, dry air. Finally, they reached a T-shaped intersection. Which way to turn? It felt like their lives depended on that choice. To the left, they could feel the source of the breeze. That's the direction they ran. They ran again, continuing to hear the slap, 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 slap of footsteps on the concrete behind them. The echo of someone else in the tunnel. Then Alex yelled, I think I see a way out. The breeze felt a bit stronger. Stairs, Alex yelled. They reached a concrete staircase. Shane expected to hear the door at the top of it slam shut before they could exit, but it didn't. They raced up the stairs into the dilapidated outbuilding on the edge of the LEC property. It had a huge open garage style door that led into the woods. They were almost back outside. Alex let go of Shayna's hand, and Shayna stopped for just a moment. No. And from her vantage point, she shined her flashlight back down into the tunnel. And there he was. Oh, God. Running towards the stairs, about to catch her, the man from her nightmares. She screamed. Alex grabbed her shoulder and spun her around again. Run! They sprinted out of the building and into the woods. Shayna felt like a kid again. A kid playing in the woods wondering when a murderous madman would pop out from behind a tree. But now she didn't have to wonder. He was behind her. What would he do to her if he caught her? They ran towards a streetlight on the edge of the property. Neither thought they heard the sounds of footsteps behind them anymore. But neither wanted to stop and shine their flashlights back to be sure. They made it to the chain-link fence that kept trespassers out that now kept them in. And just by sheer luck, they happened to run right to a point in the fence where someone had mangled a portion enough for them to get down on the ground <sighs> and crawl underneath. And that's exactly what they did. Shayna was convinced that as she scooted along the ground on her stomach, the Nightmare Man would grab her, rip her back away from her friend who just made it to the other side. He'd drag her back into the forest, back into the compound. And Alex would be the last person outside of him to hear her scream, and she'd die in that tunnel. But that didn't happen. (sighs) She made it out. The two scrambled up the bank to the road, an actual, fairly well-lit road. And down the road, thank God, there was a gas station. A 24-hour gas station. They ran towards that gas station as fast as they could. Sometimes they glanced back towards the woods near where they crawled out under the fence. And thankfully, they never saw anyone behind them. They made it to the gas station and like a couple of kids, like some runaway teens, they bought some cigarettes, some tall boy beers, they put in paper bags, they sat on the sidewalk out front and drank and smoked for probably an hour before calling a cab and heading home, resigned to come back for the car tomorrow when it was light out. Shayna asked Alex that night if she'd seen the man at the end of the tunnel. Alex said she, she didn't see a man, not exactly, but she saw something, a shape, a dark Maybe man-like shape. She said it was hard to describe. It all happened so fast, and she was so scared. But she did see something. Shayna asked her if she still planned on going back later with her other friends to see if she could find that tunnel to damage. No, absolutely not. Good. She didn't know what she'd seen in that tunnel, but Alex said she definitely didn't want to risk seeing it again. Did Shayna think she actually saw the man who'd escaped all those years earlier? Maybe. She didn't even know what he looked like. She didn't know how that could be. She wonders if something in the old compound, something in that tunnel, played with her mind and just made her think she saw it. Made her friends see and hear it as well. And in a way, isn't that even scarier? Yikes. That was a good one, huh?
2: Yeah. ay I-, I thought for sure one of them was going down. Like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, I was so excited So I was like, ooh, tunnel, fun. Like, in my mind, because, of course, I was trying to think of it outside of the context of our show. Where I'm like, I <laughs> have always wanted to have my house be connected by a tunnel to, like, my it's best like a- friend's house next door. <laughs> I just think it would be so fun.
1: That would be so fun.
2: So fun. But not in this situation. <laughs> but not in this
1: situation. No. Uh, there are pictures of this because of these real places here. This first picture is the damaged state hospital, the exterior, you know, years ago before it was demolished. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it
2: looks exactly how I would think it would look.
1: Mm-hmm. Just a, you know, big government building. Uh, this next picture is a room inside the old damaged state hospital.
2: Okay. Yeah. Like some like admin room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then this next picture is a shot of the LEC compound. There wasn't any good really like shots of either place that showed them in their totality. There was like aerial shots, but they were so high above like a yeah. real estate shot. Oh, they were yeah. just kind of yeah. like,
2: eh. Well, and also like I love that the Life Enrichment Center looks like a piece of shit
1: well because like, originally like, it was a state rehabilitation center that they bought
2: no i know but it's like oh you didn't even try to clean it up <laughs> like it just looks
1: i, I mean yes i mean but, it has been abandoned for a while here but yeah but, but yeah, it always looks it doesn't have any remnants
2: creepy. of like oh that would have been such a nice place to go and find myself no, no
1: no uh this next one just shot of an lec uh you know the interior some hallway just i thought it was creepy
2: You've never been in the Linda Vista hospital in LA that I've talked about. But oh, yeah. it's like it's it like has that. this kind of vibe. Uh
1: and then this last picture is just that this is that Mary Morrissey, still around, the life coaches life coach.
2: You can live a freer, fuller, more expansive life.
1: This lady seems so full of shit to me. It's unbelievable. Mm. Uh but yeah, so that's so that's the picture with the story. And again, those those are on our Instagram and Facebook if you want to. You want to see him while you're listening.
2: I made a few notes, Dan. I
1: saw you over there scribbling some stuff down. Scribble, 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 scribble.
2: I know that we've talked about this guy before, but now I feel like I need to go and Google this after okay. this episode. I've talked about the guy that lived in the woods when I was a kid, Chester Chester, the child molester.
1: Right, like an urban legend type maybe?
2: Well, well, I feel like if anybody is in the Parma area or Cleveland area and knows what I'm talking about, I want you to email me because I feel like it was based on... Some guy being found in the woods molesting children. Oh my god! And but like, was his name even Chester, or did it just rhyme? (laughs) And like, kids just made that shit up. Right, right. But it always—I would love it if
1: his name actually was Chester the child molester. Like he's Mister Child Molester,
2: Mister Child Molester,
1: Mister the Child Molester. Sure. Uh, Party of one, uh, Mister the Child Molester Chester. Are you your table's ready? (laughs) (laughs) It's not appropriate. (laughs) And then the creepiest guy you've ever seen. Yeah.
2: But like, I just remember, you know, like, uh, okay, so my school—I went for anybody who lives in the area. I went to St. John before it was defunct and the school was here and then there was a lot of wooded area Mm -hmm. around it and the church and school owned a lot of the woods around it so like as the parish grew and stuff they would develop other parts of it um and yeah i just remember that we all thought that chester lived in these woods like behind our school and so when you were talking about her being a kid playing in the woods i was was like yeah that was my childhood wow and that did not Sit well. and but then it dawned on me that I have never, ever done any research to see if this person was ever actually if it, is it an urban legend? Right. Is, is it an urban legend that has different names in different places? But, like, other people have the same sort of creepy yeah. thing that they yeah, think about? Yeah. um. And then you were talking about news stories that like, stick with you, you mm, know, because mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds like this guy was actually real.
1: Yes. So yeah, based there, there, something. Yeah, it was based on her hearing a, a, a real newspaper account story from her friend's dad. Yeah. That coincided with her watching a scary movie a little bit too young. And right. And then it just stuck in her head.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if you have any stories like that from, probably not, just Riggins being so remote, <laughs> but yeah. like definitely in my childhood, there was uh, a story that was very, very sad of a woman, Mary Jo Pesho, who was murdered uh, in her car, like somebody hid he either hid under or in her car Mm -hmm. at the mall. Uh like, you know, this had to be like in the nineties maybe, and it was around Christmas time and he murdered her. And for Oh,
1: you've told me that, yes. Yeah,
2: and it's like stories like that. It just it made me think about this because it just takes one thing happening like that mm-hmm. that forever if I ever have to walk to my car by myself in a dark spot you think about that I immediately flash on her and I think that the the murderer I think he only did it once but it was like a such a big deal where yeah. I grew up because, you know, I mean, we grew up in a suburb of Cleveland. So like, you know, very close to a very large city, mm-hmm. but everyone was freaked out where it was like, you know, when you walk out to a car, you don't go by yourself. If you feel right. uncomfortable and it's late at night, you don't go by yourself. You always park under, you know, a light in the parking lot. You, uh, I mean, it's newer technology, but like, I know my car, cause it has like the keyless entry as I mm-hmm. get within a certain amount of feet, the lights in my car come on. Yeah. But that wasn't a thing. You know, yeah. especially not like when I was 16 and driving an old used car, you know? Right. And so it just made me think about like, it just takes one valid story mm-hmm. to build up all these things in your brain for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like to this day, I'm fucking freaked out to go to my car by myself in a dark parking lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Those random murders always spread more fear than like a, uh, oh, like if somebody's killed by like a family member or like an ex boyfriend right. or something. Uh, still obviously just as terrible, but it doesn't, but but it doesn't spread fear the same way because it feels like, well, that, that was their situation. Right. Like, but if it's a random killing, you're like, oh God, that could be anybody.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. And then uh, the story just made me think about that building in Silverton that we've talked about before. Yes. That is a creepy ass building. Mm -hmm. I was envisioning all of this happening there. And I bet, I bet that Silverton building could possibly have tunnels.
1: Oh, that'd be interesting to explore. Yeah, Yeah. We've
2: tried to find the owners. In fact, we found the owners, but they're unresponsive and they don't want to let us come in.
1: Which I get. It's like, what's in it for them to let somebody just root around and look for spirits? Well, we want (laughs) to
2: host a show there.
1: Yeah. Well, and now that's a whole other thing.
2: Well, I mean, just us. (laughs) Oh,
1: I got you. Yeah. we, We just go there. Just the two of us. Yes. Yes. That's right.
2: Just
0: the two of us.
1: All right. You ready to move on to our next tale? Sure. Okay. And we will move on right after a brief sponsor break. Thanks for listening, creeps and peepers. Now for a quick little story that needs no setup. We're going to jump right in. Ready? Okay. Time now for the tale called, Did I Grab the Right One? Aiden waited in front of his house. His camping supplies piled near his feet. It was almost sunrise. The mountains just beginning to turn from blue black to pale gray. It was so early and Aiden hadn't gotten much sleep, but he wasn't tired. He'd been looking forward to this camping trip for weeks, ready to get outdoors with his new friend, Matthew. Aiden had moved to Colorado Springs in January, then the pandemic had happened, and he hadn't really gotten a chance to make friends in a new town. So when his coworker Matthew, who he'd only met virtually, told him that Matthew's family had a little cabin in the Sandia Mountains north of Albuquerque, Aiden took him up on his offer of a camping trip. Matthew's Jeep pulled up to the house and Aiden began to load up things in the car. Right right there, he asked, mindful of his friend's car. They were just getting to know each other after all. I don't want my stuff to fall in any of your stuff. He looked around the car. He noticed that Matthew didn't have any camping supplies with him, just a grocery bag. Confused, Aiden asked him why, and Matthew replied that during quarantine, he hadn't been going, or he'd been going to the cabin almost every weekend. He found it too much trouble to bring his camping stuff with him to Colorado Springs and back every weekend, so he just left his stuff there.
2: I don't trust it.
1: Want a Red Bull? Matthew offered. You got first shift. Aiden drove for the first hour, then Matthew, then they traded off again. After five hours of driving, they arrived at the Cibola National Forest. Aiden, who'd grown up on the east coast, was amazed by the scenery. They drove up to the cabin and Aiden watched relieved when Matthew pulled out a full set of camping gear. He even worried that he was too quick to jump on the offer of a weekend away without really knowing this guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Matthew did seem to know his way around. They each crashed early, knowing they were waking up early the following morning. The next day, they began their hike to the mountain range a few uh, hours after dawn, after sleeping in a bit, and they headed to where Matthew said he knew a great spot for them to set up camp. They found this spot, and it was great. It had an awesome view. And with no rain in the forecast for the foreseeable future, with the temperature not set to drop far enough to have to deal with any dew or frost, they decided to not even bother setting up tents. They built a campfire, rolled out some sleeping bags, and slept under the stars. No way. Before crashing, they chatted for a while, ate, played some cards, and then they decided to call it a night so they could get an early start the next morning. And the next morning would start far earlier than Aiden expected. Just a couple hours after Aiden managed to drift off to sleep, he woke to the sound of Matthew calling his name. Hey, over here. Come look at this. Matthew? Aiden mumbled, sleepy and, sleeping and annoyed. What's going on? Come here, the reply came. You have to see this. Aiden heard Matthew's voice trail off into the woods near the edge of the clearing. What could he possibly want to show him over there in the middle of the night? He looked around to make sure he wasn't just imagining things. He saw Matthew's sleeping bag open and empty. In his bleary state, he thought the voice sounded strange. Almost maybe like two voices layered on top of each other. One sounded like Matthew, the other was just robotic. I don't know, maybe it was just the acoustics of the mountain. Or he hadn't known Matthew that long, maybe he just didn't quite remember exactly how his voice sounded. Maybe he was just still half asleep. Groggily, Aiden made his way out of his sleeping bag and slipped on his boots before walking out into the darkness. He'd made it nearly to the tree line when the voice called out again. Over here! Over here! Come take a look at this. It was almost mechanical sounding. No shifting in tone or urgency. Just flat. As he started to shout back to Matthew that he was coming, something grabbed his wrist from behind. Then a second hand clasped over his mouth. Aiden spun around to find Matthew staring at him, eyes wide. Matthew shook his head side to side, held one finger up to his lips. He motioned for the two of them to go back in the direction of the campsite. Aiden followed. Once they made it back to their sleeping bags, Matthew began to roll his into a tight bundle. Aiden tried to ask him what was going on, but every time he started to speak, Matthew shook his head furiously, motioned for Aiden to roll up his pack. He then took his eyes off Matthew for a few moments and focused on packing up as quickly as possible. When he looked back at Matthew, something didn't seem right. Something had seemed off the whole time. He didn't like the way he moved. He didn't like that he hadn't spoke since he snuck up behind him. He was jerkily packing up, at one point spilling a half-finished tin of beans across the ground. Then he remembered that he'd left some... Or Aiden remembered that he'd left some gear on a rock roughly 30 yards away. And he went to pick it up. And then when he made it there and bent down, he heard a rustling in the trees in front of him. What was it? As Aiden peered out into the darkness, he heard a whisper. Help! He squinted his eyes, focused a bit more, and then Aiden saw Matthew. Slumped against a tree, deep gashes across one arm and part of his chest. What? How? He was right behind him. He looked back towards the camp... And there was this other Matthew, still packing away. He got the chills. Looking back at the Matthew laying in the brush, he saw blood pouring from his ear. Aiden saw a cut on his forehead. What happened? Aiden, help me. Matthew quietly gasped. We got to get out of here right now. It's, it's It'll kill us both. That, that thing at camp, that's not me. Aiden's mind was racing. The man who had just put his hand over his mouth, who was that? Was that Matthew or someone else, something else? He felt so confused. Had the real Matthew called for him to come look at something, that voice had seemed off. Had both the source of that voice and the thing that covered his mouth had both been imposters? This was so crazy. Had the real Matthew been over here wounded the whole time, he felt dizzy, sick. He looked again at Matthew in camp. He moved in quick, spastic motions. He was shoving parts of the pack into places that didn't fit, like he wasn't clear on the purpose of camping equipment. Had that thing drawn Matthew into the woods and then taken his place? What was it going to do to him? Where did it want to lead him? Why hadn't it already attacked him? Aiden grabbed the wounded Matthew and quietly hauled him up. He and Matthew, he had Matthew throw his arm around his shoulder and they set off back the way they'd come. Aiden thought that the creature, a skinwalker perhaps, would for sure come looking for them at any moment. That they had very little chance of making it back to the cabin without some sort of horrible encounter but he had to try. Aiden and Matthew didn't stop walking for hours. Not until they got to the road where Matthew's car was parked and Aiden shoved Matthew in the back. He couldn't believe, uh, in the back of the car, he couldn't believe he'd be able to walk uh, that far while hurt and he started to drive. Glancing in the rearview mirror, Aiden now watched Matthew as he panted in the back seat. His groans of pain making him sound animalistic and feral. He watched the way he moved. Was it a little twitchy? Was that just because he was hurt? As Aiden's eyes returned to the road, he wondered... Did he grab the right Matthew?
2: Oh, God.
1: Or had he just put himself in an enclosed space with a dangerous, mysterious creature from the woods? And was this all still part of that creature's plan? The end. That's it? That is it. We don't know what happens next.
2: Excuse me?
1: (laughs) They don't all have a sense of finality.
2: You have done that like two or three times in the past few weeks, and I am fucking over it.
1: (laughs) Fair. You will
2: knock it off.
1: Your mind just gets to wonder what happened. No.
2: This isn't the your mind gets to wander podcast. No, it isn't. This is the scared to death <laughs> podcast. That does not the, scare me to death. I need more.
1: This is, this is the- Tell
2: me more scary stuff. I want to know what happens. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's the story. I don't fucking like it. Okay. I wish I had somebody to throw at you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, there's, I mean, this is just a random tale. There's well, no pictures of these two, but I did find one picture that fits uh, associated with this story. Uh, Joe will, will pull it up here.
2: Yeah, hilarious.
1: Hmm. I just. <laughs> <but> <laughs> what I th- is that I, from? I think based on this video evidence, I think he grabbed the wrong mat.
2: Well, okay, but now let's in, uh, let's talk about it.
1: No, well, this is um, I I don't know what this is. It's some random gif. I think I think it comes from the Howling movies. Maybe the second one.
2: I don't know. Haven't haven't seen him. Guy's got <laughs> sweet hair though.
1: sweet ass werewolf
2: hair. Um. Well, fuck a duck. <laughs> I just. Well, it's funny.
1: I I like I like those kind of stories. Um, but I'm different. Like like in wh- some horror movies. Yeah. When you're just like I don't know, it's kind of end on a little bit of a cliffhanger.
2: That is more than a little bit of a cliffhanger.
1: Well, if maybe we, I guess we could assume.
2: Aiden, that, where are you? I guess are you okay? Could,
1: I guess we could assume that Aiden is okay. Otherwise, how would that story make it out?
2: Okay. And so maybe he just, maybe then they like get back to town and Matthew gets help and he's fine. And so the ending is actually quite boring.
1: Or maybe they get back and Matthew kills him and then Matthew
2: writes that story. Okay, well, that's one option. Who knows? I'm so confused. (laughs) And angry.
1: I I liked it just because it was a little one, a different one. Uh, Yeah, I just liked that it was like a quick, there's no setup. Just two dudes, don't know each other, going camping and some weird shit happens at night.
2: Oh, yeah. And also like... Fucking idiot going camping with some person you don't know that you've only met virtually. Some people will do that stuff. You That's know fucking stupid. That is like the <laughs> most reckless. To me, if you do that, you're definitely some sort of adrenaline junkie because mm. you have to know that, like, and and you're probably somebody who likes to um have conversations with people and make it like really intentionally awkward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really confrontational. Like you are so all about it, and actually no one enjoys that person, which is probably why you don't have any fucking friends. Wow. Uh- I hate that story. <laughs>
1: That really stuck a nerve with you. It sure did. You know what? I I, I am always um, amazed when people do that. I've read articles about people who basically like they'll meet somebody on Tinder and, uh, and just but, but like not go on a date. Yeah. Like I read this one article. I thought this lady was crazy. She um, met this guy on Tinder before they ever met in real life. Yeah. They went on a vacation together. That was the date. Like, like flew, had a hotel together, had never met. And it was like for like a week. And I'm like, wow.
2: I bet the sex was great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, or there was no sex, and it was just the most
3: awkward. It's Tinder. Terrible. It's all about I, know, sex. I know.
2: I know. Don't be ridiculous.
3: You guys remember those like road trip boards, right? Those used to no. exist. No, like at colleges, if you needed a ride somewhere during a Christmas break, they'd like put their name up on a pin board.
2: That sounds like a very and if University University you're going thing. if
3: you're going somewhere, you just pick them up and take them somewhere. What? what? No, yeah, like you're like, oh, I need a ride to Boise. Like they just didn't have a car, and then if you were going that way, you could just you could hit them up and give them a ride. That might have been a thing, but I don't. And now uh, everyone's dead.
2: I was saying, it sounds like a good way <laughs> no, to be killed. No, but
3: I've seen them at different colleges too. But I can't imagine that now. Oh, no, like it's just a whole different
1: climate. Well, but what's interesting though is it probably was more dangerous then because now people leave uh, digital footprints,
2: right? Right. But
1: yeah, but we just didn't have all the information back then. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's
2: I mean, crazy listen, too. like, I guess well, people I, used to hitchhike in the '60s. I've had some dodgy one night stands mm-hmm. that, like, I definitely was like, yeek. And That's enough for me to think that I would never like after doing that Like two maybe three times <laughs> So dumb. Yeah. so fucking stupid. I'm so lucky that I was I mean that was not sexually assaulted that they were right. That I put my like I put myself mm. in such fucking stupid questionable Irresponsible situations. I think that's why that makes me so angry cuz I'm like I I <laughs> I did stupid shit like that, and it is right. so fucking dumb.
1: Yeah, I think about stories from, yeah, like, the 60s, when, um, like, especially late 60s, summer of love kind of, you know, oh, counterculture yeah. revolution, it was super common for, like, some, like, 17-year-old girl out in Minnesota, Iowa somewhere, to just, yep, get on the highway, stick her thumb out, and hitchhike all the way to San Francisco or all the way to L.A., one random dude after another, picking them up.
2: Fuck. Yeah. week. I, I still randomly see, see hitchhikers around here. And it always makes me actually very sad yeah. because it doesn't have that vibe of... of Yeah, it doesn't
1: have a vibe of like an adventure.
2: No, it has a vibe of like, we're strung out on drugs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's like me and my uh, like friend, partner, whatever. And they almost always have a dog, which kills me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't take you to Missoula.
1: A lot of times uh, the dog is also strung out on drugs. I read some article about that. A lot of times it's the dog's drug habit that's fueling the entire situation.
2: I don't think that that's funny because I think sometimes people on drugs give their dogs drugs because they're so fucked up. And then that poor dog is fucked up.
1: (laughs) Or loves drugs. Some dogs. You don't know anything about what dogs like with drugs. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm going to give our dogs some drugs. No, you're not. Sometimes sometimes I do think about giving them edibles.
2: I know, it would actually kind of be pretty funny. <laughs> again, when I was young and dumb and we would smoke a lot of weed, which I like, I cannot smoke. Oh, I'd,
1: I'd blow uh, smoke in my dog's face.
2: Totally. And then we had friends that would give their Contact dogs high. beer.
1: Like, I saw, I've saw, i seen a dog drunk. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. It was the funniest this dog ever acted.
2: I know, but it's probably, like, when you think about it, they don't have the same reasoning capabilities that we do, so like, poor dog.
1: I know. Well, that dog, it did end badly. That dog ended up having, like, a one-night stand, and it got this other dog pregnant, and then it was, like, a whole situation, and, like, you know, there was alimony, and it was... <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's get into stories.
2: You're so weird. Okay. This morning Dan tried to convince Penny that I was pregnant with her baby.
1: <laughs> we don't need to get into all that. <laughs>
3: Do you know how much child support is for an entire
1: litter?
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it ruined that dog's life. Oh God. Okay. okay. <sighs> what is happening? It's a weird show. It's a I weird know, show. But I know. I'm sorry guys. No, it's
1: fun. I think it's fun. Hopefully people well, think it's fun.
2: Well, they'll either buy it, be think it's super fun or be super annoyed know, yeah, it's fine. Are you ready to hear two stories that I don't remember at all? Yep. Okay. uh So, this first story comes from fan Ellie, uh, which automatically makes me think of our niece. Yeah. So, I imagine. Ellie Bird. Yeah. Ellie Bird. So, I re- automatically think that Birdie wrote this story. Okay. And Bird, our niece, is like just a little bit kooky. Mm-hmm. She is so fun. But so, I immediately am like, okay, is this real or not? Um, and it's a little smaller story, Okay. so kind of matching the pace here, and, uh, coming from Bozeman. Cool. I love Bozeman. Yeah, I I just went to Bozeman for the first time Mm -hmm. a couple weeks, a couple weeks, a couple months ago, and loved it. Okay, so here we go. Hey there, Lindsay and Dan. Greetings from Bozeman, Montana. I've been listening to Scared to Death since almost the very beginning, and this is my first time ever writing into a podcast or anything like this, but my experience was too spooky not to share. I am definitely a capital C creeper horror movies, true crimes, ghost stories. I love it all. So obviously I'm a big fan of your show. I'm sitting on my porch, enjoying the fall weather. That is finally not smoky. Mm -hmm. I hope the smoke is clearing out for you guys too. Mm -hmm, It did. Here is my tale. A little less than a year ago, my husband and I decided to have a fun weekend getaway about two hours away in Helena, Montana, We had booked a forest service cabin out in the woods, far away from running water, indoor plumbing, cell service, etc. It was a time for us to unplug and relax from the daily grind of our work lives in Bozeman. Upon walking in, I was struck by how large and freezing cold it was. I began unpacking our car as my husband started making a fire in the wood stove to heat us up. I walked from the front door through the kitchen and into the main bedroom. Upon walking into the bedroom, I, without thinking, quickly backed out. It was like something was pushing me out of the room. I got the sense that I wasn't meant to be in there. Our dog, who was walking right at my heels, also refused to go into the bedroom. This is weird since he usually thoroughly sniffs out any new digs he finds himself staying in. He went through every inch of the house except for that room. Hours go by, we've been on a lovely hike, We've made dinner and sat by the fire, and without ever talking about it, my husband and I instinctively set up our sleeping bags in the back room instead of having a big bed like the main bedroom. This back room had only a couple of dinky cots, however, we chose to sleep there without saying a single word about it. That night, I tossed and turned, barely sleeping. My husband was on the other cot, sound asleep for most of the night. We left all of the doors in the cabin open to let the heat from the stove circulate. At some point in the middle of night, in the middle of the night, I must have finally dozed off. I awoke to the sound of my husband and our dog walking into the kitchen, unbolting the front door, and then going outside. They must have gone outside to pee off the porch like dudes do. Mm-hmm. About a minute or so later, I distinctively hear my f- husband's feet and my dog's paws walk across the kitchen floor as well as my husband rebolting the front door. I then hear him take a walk to the kitchen table, untwist my stainless steel water bottle, take a swig, put the cap back on, and walk back through the living room to where we were sleeping. No big deal, right? A few more hours go by and it's morning. As we're both sipping our coffee, I casually comment to him, ugh, I slept so terribly last night. How'd you sleep? I heard you take the dog out in the middle of the night. He stops mid-sip of coffee and says, I never took the dog out last night. I was asleep like a rock but I heard you get up and take him out. We both just looked at each other for a moment as the wheels were turning in both of our minds. I then asked him what he exactly heard, step by step. He then proceeded to recount my same experience, almost verbatim, even down to hearing me untwist my water bottle to get a drink. We walked to the kitchen to take a look. My water bottle was sitting there on the table, but as we looked over to the front door, we realized the doorknob and bolt were completely broken. Whoa. We both know that the lock and that we both know that the door and lock were in perfect working order the night before. It wasn't as if either of us or who in the actual fuck was in our cabin the night before had taken our dog outside. Did our dog even go out to pee? Was it a ghost dog? There was no way anyone was hiding in the cabin or had come in from the outside since we both distinctly remember locking the door. My husband, very skeptical to anything supernatural, swears that he heard, even if he couldn't qualify as a... Oh, my husband swears that he heard he wouldn't even qualify as a peeper since he hates scary stuff so much. Do we need to create a third term for this kind of person? (laughs) What I heard that night was so blatant that I never even suspected ghosties might have been afoot. Thoroughly spooked, we decided to head out for a morning hike and clear our heads. When we got back to the cabin to make lunch, I found a small binder on a shelf in the kitchen curious I opened it and started to read. It was a brief history of the cabin. It said that this cabin served as some sort of training site for soldiers during World War II. Hmm. but it not just but not just any soldiers, this site was specifically designated as training ground for canine units specializing in sniffing out bombs. It seems as though some World War II soldier and his faithful dog still resided there and were going about their regular business as usual. What creeps me out even more is the possibility that there was no ghostly dog and some ghost man took my dog out to pee. If only dogs could talk. (laughs) We decided to pack up and head back to Bozeman a bit earlier than expected, as we were both too creeped out to stay any longer. We got a pop-up tent for the back of the truck after that and haven't stayed in another forest service cabin since. I do, however, still drink out of my water bottle every single day. Don't worry, I sanitize any ghost germs when I got home. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to read my spooky story, and thanks you both for continuing to bring chills to all of us listeners week after week.
1: Ah, oh, thank you.
2: Isn't that weird?
1: That is weird that they both heard the same thing, and that with the the dog sound. I mean, because it's my mind just goes to like with the broken lock and stuff like that, to an intruder. Yeah. But then that's that's pretty weird for an intruder to break in, like what sip some water and let your dog out,
2: and then and and, and then, then also leave. not steal anything, not and, rummage through right, anything? right, and Come not on.
1: steal. I know, right, exactly. It doesn't. I mean, it could be just somebody who's just insane, but that's even almost weirder.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's like I just I think it's so. That's, in- yeah. I just think it's interesting that like I don't think she says, but like she didn't. Neither one of them says whether or not they saw the the cot. Did she say her husband's cot was empty in the middle of the night when she woke up? I'm I'm so brain fogged. Um, I can't
1: remember. Because it's like,
2: if you get up in the right middle now. of the night, okay, I think about this all okay. the time. Like, I'll hear you get up to go to the bathroom, right? Yeah. And every once in a blue moon, we do let the dogs out in the middle of the night, though that's not like our normal routine. Right. But we, you know when you're away from your home and away from your routine, these things happen. So if I woke up in the middle of the night and you weren't lying next to me, wherever mm-hmm. it is we were sleeping, and then the next morning you're like, I didn't do that.
1: would that, right. that would
2: fuck me up more.
1: Right. Right.
2: Huh? I don't know. I was just trying to go back and see... Uh, What she she says, she says, my husband was on the other cot, sound asleep for most of the night. We left all the doors in the cabin open to let the heat in, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. About a minute or so later, I distinctly hear my husband's feet and my dog's paws walk across the kitchen floor. I then hear him walk into the kitchen. Yeah, they both heard, yeah. They both heard someone come in. And the fact that the the lock was broken, Mm -hmm. that's weird because couldn't a ghost just go through
1: well, d- well, that's it's like what we you mentioned about. once yeah. before.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It just like kind of like oh huh.
1: yeah, that's a good one.
2: Yeah, reminds me of your I like our camping theme.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. I like how that um, how how often that works out where we don't talk about stories beforehand and then we have, tend to have like these accidental themes.
2: I know. Well, maybe it's a ghost working behind the scenes to make sure that we're succinct. Good. I like it. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> that's you know our ghost. Um, okay, so now this this story uh, is about a mirror. Okay, so. I like, I like how you're afraid of mirrors anyways, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just love to add to it. Um, okay, so our author writes in, Hey, Dan and Lindsay love the podcast. I'm a huge peeper, and my husband is a total creeper, which I totally understand. This story is quite lengthy, and so I apologize. This story happened over a span of five or six years. Oh, my God. So you can imagine the amount of events that took place. Dan, you may want to borrow one of Lindsay's crystals for this one.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Do you want crystal? No. Mm-hmm. It all started when I was 15 and we moved into a new house. And this house wasn't very old. In fact, it had only been around five years before we moved into it. We didn't start noticing anything for a few months after moving in, but it all started with small bumps in the night here and there. We would hear unexplained sounds from the upstairs while everyone was downstairs, but we told ourselves it had to be the cat. That little shit, that shit started happening a little more intensely and frequently. It was, I was the first one in the house to actually experience anything. My bedroom was the weirdest room in the house. It was always super cold and my cell phone could never keep a charge in my bedroom. I would have to charge it in the next room over. My friends would come over and their cell phone batteries would be drained once they came into my bedroom as well. It never happened anywhere else in the house. It was pretty weird, but not enough to spook us. With that being said, shit starts to get crazy. I would often wake up in the middle of the night to this dark, mist-like figure in my room, hovering at the foot of my bed. I would turn my light on as fast as I could, and then bam, it would just be gone. Sometimes it would move around the room and and leap out of my huge standing mirror. For a while, I told myself I had to be experiencing sleep paralysis, but after reading about it online, I knew it wasn't because I was able to move and speak during all of these occurrences. To this day, I still see this dark mist thing that moves about and leaves and comes and leaves through the same mirror I still have in my bedroom.
1: Get rid of that mirror.
2: I'll show you it at the end. Okay. It doesn't bother me as much anymore, but there are some some nights it gets too close and I wake my husband up. I refuse to sell or give the mirror to someone else. It's one of the only things my mom has given to me as a family heirloom. A few months ago, I'm sorry, a few months had gone by, and this was a reoccurring thing that would only happen to me. My mom and sister never believed me. Then one day, my sister came to ask me if I was the one who was twisting the shoelaces that were tied to her fan. We all had tall ceiling fans, and she couldn't reach the strings, and so she had added shoelaces. Mm. I told her no and asked her what she was talking about. She then told me that every day for the past few weeks, she would come home from school and the two shoelaces would be twisted together from the top to the bottom. She said she would untwist them every day when she got home after finding them in that way. They would be normal when she left for school and then twisted again when she returned from school. She had even turned off her fan before leaving the house just to see if it was the breeze from the fan that had been twisting them together. hmm when they became enthralled by this, we all became enthralled by this weird occurrence. Daily, we would try and figure out what could be causing them to twist together so perfectly. It was the strangest things. The strings would be tight and perfectly twisted together and then left opened at the end. How in the world did they stay twisted like that? We tried ourselves to mimic the twisting and could never get it perfect as it was done by itself. Then one day out of nowhere, she came home and they weren't twisted together like they had been every day for the past two months, and after that, it never happened again. A few months later, one of the scariest experiences happened to me when no one was home and I was all alone. It was a Saturday. My mom and sister were out running errands, and I had just gotten home from a friend's house. It was late in the afternoon, so it was still daylight, and the house felt a bit off to me, but I ignored it while I made a snack. I went to sit on the sofa to watch TV, and the moment I sat down, I felt this brush of air hit the back of my neck. Our sofa didn't completely touch the wall behind it because it had these three huge windows there. As I was about to turn the TV on, I heard this loud crashing noise right behind me. I flew off the sofa in a panic. At first, I didn't notice or see anything, and I slowly walked around to see what possibly could have fallen behind the sofa. Then I looked straight on and saw all three of the window's blinds had been pushed against the window. They were all stuck. Every single row was pressed up against the glass. This made zero sense as I was looking at them trying to figure out how the fuck these were stuck to the window like that. And then all of a sudden, they all fell away from the glass. When I say fall, I didn't mean they fell down to the floor. I mean it was like the windows exhaled and they became loose all at once and were swinging from from detaching from the glass. I ran out of the house and immediately called my mom, hysterically crying, begging her to come home. I waited on the front porch until she came back. My mom went into the house and said everything was fine, and maybe it had just been our cat. I know what I saw, and I know what I felt. There's no way it could have been the cat. Our cat was very old and literally never left my mom's bed. We started hearing all kinds of noises within a certain wall in our kitchen, almost like little animals were crawling around trying to escape. My dog would sit there almost every evening and lick the wall and whine as if she were trying to get something out of it. We had someone come out, not once, not twice, but three times, and they never found any signs of rodents in there. They had set traps in the attic, and my mom would check them, hoping for a sign of what it could be. There would never be anything inside these traps. This was never solved and was an ongoing thing to happen. We just got used to it as we did with the other bumps and noises in the house. Just a few nights after the blinds incident, my mom finally had her first experience in the house that made her apologize for blowing off all of my concerns. One night, while everyone was asleep, my mom was awoken to the sounds of someone shuffling into her room. She opened her eyes in the dark and saw a woman walk into her room. She said this woman was wearing a nightgown. She couldn't see her face, but said that it almost looked at her, or that it almost looked like me. Her thinking it was me? asked the girl, "Honey, what's wrong?" She said to the girl, and the girl just stood there not saying anything. My mom then got annoyed and said, "What do you need?" The woman turned around and shuffled back out. She could hear the shuffling all the way down the hall and back upstairs where me and my sister's rooms were. She then got worried that maybe I had been sleepwalking and wanted to make sure that I had gotten back to bed okay. She came upstairs and opened my door and my dog went crazy because she startled her awake. I had been asleep with no signs that I had gotten out of bed. My mom said to me, what did you want in my room just now? I replied half asleep and annoyed, what? What do you mean? She looked at me confused and said, never mind, I'll just talk to you in the morning. And she left. She said she also went to my sister's room and saw that she was also passed out cold. That girl could sleep through a tornado, I swear. My mom went back downstairs and got back into bed, a little unnerved after what had just happened. She said that she slept with the light on that night, and I can't say I blame her. She sho- she told us what had happened the next morning, and I had chills. But I was actually happy to have something happen to my mom and not me. She would finally believe me that something was happening in this house. After about three years later, I had a pretty serious boyfriend, and we had plans to move in together. He knew of the stories... We've told him about the house, but he never once felt or heard anything himself until the first night he slept over. We were asleep and it must have been about 2 a.m. I was awoken by a whisper on my side of the bed, literally a few inches from my face. I couldn't make out what it was saying, but I could feel the fucking breath of whatever it was. Then it got angry and louder and had a guttural sound. My then boyfriend woke up and heard the growling, angry voice next to me and ran and flipped on the light switch. Sure enough... Nothing was there. My dog was losing her mind, though, barking at my closet door. The voice had stopped. The breath I felt had stopped. I was in shock and just started hysterically crying because I didn't know how to process what had just happened. We couldn't go back to sleep after that. The next day, we signed our apartment lease, and I got the hell out of there. (laughs) I hated that house. Since then, my mother had an unfortunate accident that caused a brain injury and we moved out of the house, moved her out of the house. And since neither of us lived there anymore to take care of her, we had we had that's why we had to have her move. We hired a company to come out and prep everything for an estate sale, and then we sold the house. The real kicker is, two months after we sold the house, my sister ran into the couple who had done the estate sale for us. They told her that while they were there getting everything priced and ready to go, they had multiple experiences, and that the last day of the sale, as they were cleaning up and packing what they didn't sell for us, they heard a loud, guttural scream come from upstairs, which was completely empty. Uh. They went up there, and no one was there. They left as fast as they could, as they were pretty spooked. We still talk about that house sometimes and wonder if the people who live there now have had any experiences. Anyways, thanks for reading this far. Sorry again, it was so long. Just a lot of crazy shit happened over the years. I still have experiences, but I choose to ignore them and pretend that they don't happen because I don't want to acknowledge it. Because when I do, it gets worse. Thanks, you guys, for taking the time to read my story. My husband and I love the podcast and look forward to every Wednesday. Stay spoopy.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you. So so that... that so the house is, you know, obviously gone, not in the family, but, not in the the, family. But, but the mirror came from that house and is now with her. Yes. And that's the mirror where the black mist still, still now comes in and out of. Yes. After all of that stuff. Yes. That's, oh man, Joe, you're braver than me.
2: Joe, you want to show the mirror? It doesn't even look like that's scary of a mirror.
1: Right. Just looks like a, yep, like regular mirror.
2: But they say mirrors are portals or can be portals.
1: Right. Right.
2: And if you're going to like, if we're going to suspend you know, science and logic. Yeah. Then I don't know. I I would get rid of that mirror.
1: I I if I yeah if I thought some kind of I mean I, it's a weird thing where you know I do think about what humans can acclimate to. Yeah. Like the horrible conditions, you know, like the gulags and all these terrible places where human beings have you know uh, been put inside or you know just terrible war torn kind of like situations. Um. And, and and it's amazing what people can just kind of get used to. And then, sure. and then that becomes the new normal. And I guess if you had some mirror where you're seeing this, like, miss... I mean, to me, I'm like, what the fuck? I, I, I would want to, like, take that mirror to the dump immediately and just smash it. Right. But then I guess if you didn't get rid of it and it kept happening on a regular basis, but nothing bad ever happened to you, yeah. you're just seeing something weird, I mean, I guess you would just get used to it. No, thank you. I mean, you think that, but I mean... No. I mean, if it's not hurting you, if it's not physically... Her, you know, it's funny. Like it reminds me of like that our, our little mannequin Teresa. Yeah. Uh, you know how like the spoon fell out a while back. Yeah. Well, then when Joe and I were both here the other day, the whole bouquet thing just went whoosh, out of, and just onto the ground.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna investigate this because
1: to see how it's placed and stuff.
2: Well, yeah, and also like I know that I'm the one who put the bouquet uh, in her arms, and it's yeah. very top heavy.
1: Okay. Well,
2: when I, when I was putting it together, I had a hard time making it stay.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, it stayed for a long time and then just fell. In, uh, yes. And things can fall. But I was just thinking like, you know, if that just kept happening and, but nothing else bad happened, it's like Joe was talking about that. He's like, well, I guess nothing bad is happening. I mean, you could just kind of get used to it.
2: I just think that if you continue to accept it, then, then more is going to happen. To me, it's just like a little gateway. Like, mm. if if ghosts are real, if this is all possible, mm-hmm. it starts as that, but then something else is going to happen eventually. Like, the ghost is, something else is going to move, something else is going to fall. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad, but I just feel like it will build.
1: You think it could build to where a demon possesses me and gives me demon strength, and then I can just um, uh, be the strongest I've ever been? Probably not. Oh.
3: Right. Like the, the little weirdness to what Lindsay just said yeah. Yeah. is like when the spoon fell out, and that was what, a week and a half ago now, as we're recording this. Right. And I had not talked about it since we talked. You guys talked about it on the show, but I'd mentioned it to Dan when it happened. Yeah. 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 And then I hadn't brought it up since, and Zach isn't always in the office every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, he, so he came in, and then I explained to him that it happened. Yeah. And then he left, and then five minutes after I just talked about it, then it fell out and hit the floor. It was weird timing,
1: too. It was weird timing.
2: Maybe Millie wants you guys to give her some attention. Maybe she just loves spoons. Mm. Maybe she needs spoons. I'll give her some attention. Do you think Millie's hot? That, that mannequin. Oh. Oh. The mannequin is Teresa. Millie is the ghost. That's right. You don't even know your women.
1: <laughs> Maybe Millie's in Teresa.
2: I don't think so. Millie's in this room. Mm? Okay. Like when I come in this room, i turn on the lights. I'm always like, hey, Millie. When I leave, I say, bye, Millie. Like if you would just acknowledge her. Does and-
1: Millie have Teresa's rack?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're hilarious thank you you should really take that show on the road <laughs> oh wait you can't
1: uh. oh sad well, you, you deserved that do you have um do you have some shout outs for I some, annabelle's
2: i do do you i do okay shall we do it let's do it all right annabelle time okay a spooby annabelle shout out to jason duncan Teresa no last name mallory Mueller. Sarah G. Claire Covert. Nicole Gorman. Seth Tyndall, Stephanie and Alyssa Lindell. Paul, no last name. And Ryan Dyson.
1: It sounds like, it sounds like you nailed those. I
2: did. I'm really good at this.
1: Uh, I have some Annabelle's to thank as well. Good uh, luck. Thomas Johnson. Louise Ruddick, David Wagner. Candace Evans. Dylan Farber. Martin Pawson. Don Scoggins. Corleen Von Bruegel. Dalton Swain. And Richard Chow.
2: Dang it. I was really hoping to get you with one or two of those.
1: Well, Corline, I'm not confident of. But yeah, thank all of you. It's C-O-R-L-I-N-E. I don't think I've come across that name before. Corline or Corleen. Spell it again. C-O-R-L-I-N-E. L I N E Coraline like Coral but there's no A. Coraline Corlin
0: Corlin I don't know
2: it's a cool name cool name cool name uh
1: yeah thank you and that's uh and oh then you have a couple birthdays sorry
2: (sighs) (laughs) Buddy. my goodness I am sending some love to Suzette from Anthony uh Anthony says thanks for helping him get through all of the shit he's been going through uh and some love to Angel from Austin a happy anniversary to Madison from Chase, to Tiffany from John, and to Ronnie from Jason, which I promised them a shout out weeks ago and just totally fucked it up. So happy got it be- now. Happy belated anniversary. Oh, good job. And a happy birthday to Rachel from Rosa, and happy 50th to Becky from Mariah. And just so you guys know on the- Young Becky. Young, 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 young. Um, do you say young because you're closely- you shut up. You're pushing fifty.
1: I'm not pushing fifty. I mean, I'm not that far away, but easy.
2: Um, okay on the on the spoopy shout outs because I've gotten some like questions. When you guys send spoopy shout out emails, I most often just don't even reply to those because what I do is like we have we're doing five slots now, so the first five to come in, I just take them, I plug them in. I have a whole spreadsheet I use, and then I just move on. So I don't. I screwed myself. A couple times now since we've condensed them where I told somebody like, oh, yeah, for sure. And then I had a list of like 40 shout outs and I had to just arbitrarily pick five. So I'm just no longer replying to spoopy shout out emails because it's it's just too much. I mean, I'm so
1: so it's nothing personal,
2: nothing personal. I'm so touched and so amazed at the number of like requests we get for shout outs. I it shows how engaged you guys are and how much you care about the show. And I wish I could give one to everyone. It's just not possible and also i am so afraid that i'm going to say yes to someone and then forget to write it down so i'm just like i sorry oh well, you don't know do, what else I, to do i think you're doing good thank you
1: and and that is uh and that is our show today thanks for continuing to send in those personal tales of terror to my story at scared to uh thanks for emailing us with everything else info at scared to thanks to logan and kate keith the keith on social media, and badmagicmerch.com for their designs. Producer Sophie Evans for helping with story curation. Joe Paisley uh, for producing, directing, custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content and see the pictures from the show at Scared to Death Podcast. We have a private Facebook group, if you haven't found it already, Creeps and Peepers, well over 10,000 members now who love horror, love to talk about it. Uh, Thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating that. And if you don't want to hear any more ads, if you want more – if you want monthly bonus episodes where we just released our first one, check out our Patreon, become a Robert or an Annabelle, get the entire catalog ad-free and more. Sorry again about the live show. Truly. We were really looking forward to it. We were making fun plans. Someday this will all be past us, and we will make it happen. This too shall pass. Until then, stay safe. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but hath no home here within, scared to death.